So if there was an anchor or, or a title to this message, it would be get plugged in to the source of power. Get plugged in into your source of power. I was just wondering, have you ever considered how far faithfulness can take you? How far faithfulness can take you? You show up to your jobs every day and, and not always seeing how far your faithfulness takes you. you. You go to church every week and sometimes you're not realizing the character and power and stability that your faithful actions are producing. Um, just this weekend, I had an uncle that turned 80 years old. 80, like 80. Eight zero. And... What was amazing is that his two sons decided they wanted to take him on a cruise to the Bahamas. And so they all met in Miami, and his two sons were there, and his wife was there. And they filmed this as they were walking to the room and knocked on the door, and the son walked in the room. He said, hey, Dad. And his dad came and hugged him. And then all of a sudden, 30 other people came into the room. All of his grandkids, all of his children, all of his nieces, all of his nephews came in there to celebrate his 80th birthday because he was faithful to them for 80 years. And so the reality is that faithfulness is a spiritual law that when activated, it produces tangible results. When your faithfulness is activated, it produces tangible results. Sometimes we ask ourselves like, man, this person has been in this job longer than me. Why is it me that's getting promoted? This person has, is smarter than me and, and, and they're more qualified than me. How am I getting the promotion before them? And it's all about your faithfulness. I was thinking about Abraham Lincoln who had 33 years of failures. Somebody say 33 years. I think if I fail for 33 years, I think I will quit by that time. But it says here that Lincoln led the United States through a civil war. It's the bloodiest war and an event that's considered to be the greatest moral constitution and political crisis. But in doing so, he preserved the union, abolished slavery, strengthened the federal government, and modernized the economy. Hmm, interesting. Because in 1833, he tried to start a business, but he failed. In 1835, his sweetheart died. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he tried to become the Speaker of the House and failed. In 1843, he, he was defeated because he was trying to become a part of Congress. He failed. He became a part of Congress, but in 1848, he lost the renomination. In 1849, he was rejected as a land officer. And in 1854, he was defeated as the U.S. Senator. But in 1856, President Lincoln became the 16th president of the United States. 34 years of failure, but it was his faithfulness. It was his faithful pursuit for this office that made him successful. Somebody says faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Bible says in Luke 16 and 10, he that is faithful in that which is least shall be faithful in so much more. Somebody say faithfulness. But in order to pursue faithfulness. In order to have the character of faithfulness, it starts with his root word, and that's faith. Somebody say faith. Faith in Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is something that our eyes can't see. Faith is something that our ears can't hear. Faith is something that causes you to look for the miracle, expect the impossible, see the invisible, touch the intangible. Somebody say faith. Faith causes you to speak to the mountain. Faith causes you to walk on the water. Faith causes you to cast your net on the other side. Somebody says faith. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, but without this faith, 
It's impossible to please God. Without this faith, without this belief that I can look for the miracle, without this belief that I can touch the intangible, it's impossible to please God. Somebody say faith. The Bible says that faith without faith is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. A constant effort. Diligently seek him. A persistent effort. A painstaking effort, which means that through trials, through trouble, through tribulation, God is still expecting you to seek him. Somebody says faith. Faith is belief and trust and and loyalty to God. Faith is a firm believer in something that appears where there's no proof. Faith is believing in the impossible. Faith is something that is believed, especially with strong conviction. Somebody say faith. But how do we get this faith? Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Rhetorical question, question that you should answer, just to ponder on. What do you believe? What do you believe that can happen in your life where there's no proof that it can happen? What what are you strongly convicted about? What are you willing to do about your faith? What do you have complete trust in? Do you have complete trust in your own abilities? Do you have complete trust in your own mental capacity? God is saying that you have to trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I will give you direction. Somebody say faith. Your faith is displayed in the local church. Hmm. Interesting. In the local church, consider what God thinks about the local church. In Acts chapter 19 and 37, God calls it the assembly. In 1 Peter, he calls it the spiritual house. In 1 Timothy, he calls it the house of God, the pillar of God, the ground of truth. In Ephesians, he calls it the habitation of God. It's where God lives. In Ephesians, he calls it the building of the holy temple. 1 Peter, the flock of God. And in Revelation, he calls it the bride of Christ, the, the local church, the local church. The local church is like an electrical outlet. The local church is like electricity, and the Holy Spirit is the conduit uh, uh, that gives power to the church. Electricity flows through the wires waiting to bring life to appliances, just like the Holy Spirit flows through us, giving life to us, giving life to his people, giving life to those who we called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody say electricity. It doesn't matter how great the anointing is. It doesn't matter how good you're able to preach. It doesn't matter how good you're able to sing. It doesn't matter. Nothing happens until you get plugged in. Nothing happens until you get plugged in. Yes, you prayed. Yes, you fasted. Yes, you gave your all. Yes, you sacrificed, but nothing happens until you get plugged in. The scripture says in Proverbs 14 that where there's no counsel, people fall. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Somebody said a local church. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as a matter of some, but exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Encouraging one another. 
stimulating one another, motivating, inspiring, excited, sparking one another, inducing one another, triggering one another, swaying, provoking, inciting. Anybody got any more synonyms? When you come to church, you are motivated by other people. I promise to tell you that when somebody gets excited about Jesus, I get excited. When someone tells me their testimony, I get excited about their testimony. When someone tells me about something that God did for them, my faith increases because I believe that God can do it for me. Somebody say motivated. When you come to church, you realize that the situation that you're going through, you're not on your own. You, you realize that that person has issues in their marriage too. That person has temper problems too. That person has financial issues too. That person wants to windmill, kick, choke, slam their kids too. You're, you're, you're not alone. And that's what the local church does. It encourages you that in spite of what's going on, you can keep on keeping on. Somebody said local church. The local church keeps us in our victory. We receive our victory together. When someone gets married, I receive that victory with them. When someone has a kid, I receive and celebrate that victory with them. When someone gets promoted, I, I, I receive that victory with them. When someone loses their job, hey, I pray with them. We're all in this together. The local church is the ark that saves the household. It's the local church. Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about the things not seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. The amazing thing is that I love watching the TV evangelists. I love it. I love Joe Osteen and T.D. Jakes and Noel Jones and H. Daniel Wilson. I love all those guys, but in reality, I can't connect with them. I can't get plugged in with them. And watching them on TV is not going to save my household. It's the local church. The local church is the harvest that God brings to the world. The scripture in Matthew 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've shown you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. The scripture says that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. The reality is, is if the harvest is plenty, where are the laborers coming from? The local church. You are the laborers. God is sending you out to win souls because the scripture tells us he that wins souls is wise. God is looking for wise people. God is looking for people to go out and compel them to come in. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And it's our responsibility as the local church to create an atmosphere where God is lifted up so that people can be drawn unto him. Somebody said the local church. It's the local church. The local church is the instrument that displays God's glory. God's revelation comes through the local church. When God speaks, God speaks through the local church. If you want to hear a word from God, you have to be here in God's presence in order to hear from him. The local church needs to take its place. I used to hear people complaining about, oh, my God, they took prayer out of schools. Oh, my God, they're presenting different agendas on television. Oh, my God, this world is changing. But perhaps this world is changing because the local church isn't taking its place. 
Scripture says in Genesis 11 and 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do. And nothing can be restrained with them that they imagine to do because they are one. The local church, we have to stand together. We have to pray together. We have to fast together. We have to seek Jesus together. We have to reach out to this lost and dying world. Somebody say together. In the local church, you have to stand with your pastor. In the local church, you have to stand with your pastor. I was just thinking about how Pastor, uh, pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, and he had three mentees. He had Silas. He had Timothy and Titus. And there was one time when Paul and Silas were trapped in jail. And I can imagine while they, while they were trapped in jail, their hands were in stocks and their feet was in bonds. And, and I can see Timothy in my mind. I can see him being stressed out because he's just a mentee. I can see them having a conversation and I can hear Timothy's, I mean, Silas saying to Paul, why did you bring us here? If we had just gone somewhere else, we wouldn't be in jail, Paul. Why, why, why are we stuck? Can't you just talk to God and can't God just loose this? Because I've seen you do things. I can imagine how stressful Silas was. And I can hear Paul saying, Timothy, let's just lift up our hands and let's worship. And the scripture says that suddenly, suddenly at midnight, they prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was an earthquake. The foundations begin to shake. The walls begin to shake. The bonds begin to shake. All of the things begin to shake. See, Elvis talked about a jailhouse rock, but it wasn't nothing like this. The suddenly there was an earthquake, and, and the bars begin to fall off the jail. And, and the, the prison guard, he said, oh, my God, uh, all the people are loose. I might as well kill myself. Paul yelled out. He said, don't kill yourself. <laughs> We're still here. And, and the prison guard came in. And he said, what must I do to be saved? Silas was looking at Paul like, is this what this was about? Is this why we were in bonds? Is this why we were in jail? Is this why we were in stocks? And I can hear Paul saying, it's for your good, but it's for God's glory. Because we were in jail. Because you listened to what I told you, because you were obedient, now some soul has been saved. And then the prison guard said, please come to my house. I I want my children saved. I want my wife saved. I want my whole family saved. All because Silas was obedient to Paul. Somebody say, stand by your pastor. But then there are some things that happen when you don't stand by your pastor. In Exodus 18, 14 through 11, the scripture says, and when Moses' father-in-law Jethro saw all that he did to the people. Somebody say to the people. So Moses had this idea that God placed me in charge. And so he spent day and night, the Bible says, judging the people, which means he was giving the people counsel. And his father-in-law said, what is this thing that you do to the people? What is this that thou dost to the people? Why sitteth you alone and all the people stand by thee from morning to evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me and inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and the other. And I do make them know the statutes of God and the laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, this thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and the people that's with thee. 
For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it. The reality is, is that when we leave our pastor alone to do all these things all by himself, the scripture says he will surely wear away. We're killing our pastor when we don't take our place. We're killing our pastors when we don't serve the way that we're supposed to serve. We're killing our pastors when we don't put our hands to the plow like we're supposed to put our hands to the plow. It's amazing because I think one thing that the church don't understand is that anointing comes from the head. The, the anointing comes from the head. As a matter of fact, Psalms 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said it's like the precious ointment that was upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the skirts of his garment. And as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, there God commanded a blessing. I've learned that if my pastor is the head, it doesn't matter where I'm connected to him, the anointing will eventually reach me. So you have to be plugged in. You have to be plugged in. Imagine if you're not connected, where does your anointing come from? Imagine if you're not connected, where does your spiritual guidance come from? And then if the anointing falls upon me and I'm connected, imagine what happened to the people that's connected to me. And imagine what's happened to the people that's connected to them. And imagine what happens to the people that's connected to them. And that's what God declares for the church of the living God, for us all to be plugged in so his anointing can flow. And it says, as the dew of Hermon, there God declared a blessing. How many people in this room want to be blessed? How many people want this high favor of our Lord and Savior? Amazingly, it begins with your connection. It begins with you being plugged in. It begins with you serving out of the abundance of your heart. It begins with you. Somebody say with me. Can we all stand to our feet? We have to understand there's a few things. We have to understand the humanity of our pastors. <laughs> yeah, they're just like us, make mistakes, say stuff they shouldn't say. They're short, not literally, but they are literally short. But they can be short with you. They can, they can get angry because they're human, just like us. It's just their call is different, and their call is to be our covering. And when we allow our pastors to burn out, what happens to our covering? When we allow our pastors to burn out, what happened to that anointing that ran down Aaron's beard? It's our responsibility to take our place, thanks to God. It's our responsibility because Jabez prayed a prayer, very important prayer. He said that you may bless me indeed and that you may enlarge my territory. Jabez couldn't pray that prayer unless he first conquered the territory that God gave him. Jabez couldn't pray that prayer unless he first conquered the territory that God gave him. God has given every person in this room territory. There's only certain people that you can reach. There's only certain people that you are allowed to come in contact with, and that's your territory. 
when you're connected, you can reach those people. And you can say, God, I did it. Now enlarge my territory. Make it larger. Give me more. That's how the church grows. That's how the church grows. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We have to be forceful today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus.